This is Behind the Exploratory Lenses, episode number 13. Yes, indeed. I was back in the media realm for once and probably might be the last time I will be in 2020. Fingers crossed that it's not, but if it is, I left Evergreen Speedway pretty satisfied, albeit that my left foot, my left ankle is all sore and bent up to hell because I decided to climb over the wall very gently and in very bad cramps that I thought I was like, oh great, this is not what I needed, everything was going smoothly, everything was going perfect, and then boom, my left leg got completely cramped, I could not put pressure on it, it took me about a few minutes, it was like, oh great, I gotta get, I gotta walk, I gotta walk because I gotta take photos of Blanton Perkins in Victory Lane, Blaine Perkins led Wilder Wire in the NES Napa Auto Parts 100 at Evergreen Speedway this past Friday. He would do it again as well at Douglas County the day later in Oregon, which was entitled the NES Napa Auto Parts 150. I've heard it a lot of ways. It's Ineos, Enios, it's Enios, if I recall the one episode with Davey Siegel when he had Brittany Zamora last year. That's how it's pronounced. If not, then I gotta go back to the drawing burn and properly say Ennius the right way again. Which should be fun, to say the least. Funny how Davey, when I had this discussion, how it was, I saw it. Well, aside from a leg cramp, everything went well, to say the least. Sure, not much really happened. It was a quick six to seven hour turnaround. My arms were completely burnt, little that I knew. My face and mouth were okay because I was wearing the mask. But I was completely burnt, like I took a huge tan, like, like, that's not what I came in here for, to get a tan line. A real bad one at that. Right now, it's feeling pretty good. It's going to take a few days to get it over with, but hey, it is one of those. It's not as painful like the family's telling me it's going to be super painful when I take a shower. I felt it, but it's like, eh, it's nothing. This is not painful. But yeah, I was back, I was doing photos for the Arca West race, it's sort of difficult to getting used to saying Arca West when I'm used to saying K&N West, because I used to have this little YouTube show called West Coast Wednesdays, and where I talked about the West, which was a compelling championship battle, when you had like Haley Deegan, Derek Krause who ended up winning the championship, Jagger Jones, Trevor Hoddleston, you had so many wild elements happening. This year has been... More or less, who has a good run and not have a bad outing? Because with a low car count, there was 11 for both Evergreen and Douglas County to where you can't have a bad race. Otherwise, you're going to be in a huge hole, even though the gap might not be too significant. But you want to be perfect this season, at the very least, solid. So right now, this championship trail is kind of boiling down to Blaine Perkins and the number 9 Bob Brucati 4, the Sunrise 4 machine. Four-star Brute as the associate, and Jesse Love Jr. to number 19, Napa Car. Gio Zelsi had that rough outing at Irwindale when he got taken out of an incident. That would put him in a huge hole, but Zelsi had a pretty competent run. He finished third. He won the pole of Douglas County. And obviously, the guest that I have in this program, Holly Holland, finished sixth at Evergreen and seventh at Douglas County. She is certainly one of the few drivers that had to learn and adapt. When you're going to hear this episode with her, uninterrupted, nonstop, you'll learn more how the transition has been from running dirt to asphalt. That in mind, I'm going to introduce you to Holly Holland and our interview that we had, which I was not really expecting to have it this week. I was in the mindset of setting myself to talk about Evergreen, how I feel to be back doing photos. I'll discuss that bit at the very end of this episode, but for now, here is Holly Holland. So it is an absolute pleasure to be 
having Holly Holland, driver of the number 50 JBL Toyota Camry for Bill McAnally Racing in the Arkham Menards West Series. How are you doing this week so far? Hey, I'm doing pretty good. Just got back from uh, Washington and Oregon. Spent about three weeks out west uh, running some weight model stuff. So happy to be back on the East Coast. Uh, just kind of getting back in the routine, I think. Just tell us how you felt about running at both Evergreen and Douglas County, where there are two different tracks, but also kind of like similar to what the other ones are coming ahead, like a Colorado and Meridian, should it be rescheduled, of course. Right, for sure. I liked Evergreen a lot. That place is a lot different than anywhere I've ever been before. You know, most of the pavement tracks I've been to, like the lifting points, breaking points and rolling zones are, are pretty obvious. Uh, in that place, you just kind of, to get a feel for it place with not a lot of grip uh douglas county was kind of the the same way with just a lack of grip so it was definitely a learning learning weekend for me uh running back to back nights uh was pretty cool it reminded me a little bit of the of the dirt stuff um used to running three to four nights a week with that stuff and so it's cool to be able to uh get to run two races back to back uh it's pretty crazy to think we only have like five races left uh on my schedule and so this year's kind of kind of flown by to, to not have been doing much for the first first three or four months, I guess you could say. Um, so I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Colorado next weekend should be fun. Now you describe Evergreen as there and also running on back to back nights, and it brought you that dirt upbringing. Just describe how is it? What kind of mindset do you have to go into running on those consecutive days that and run not just in dirt but also asphalt? Which, if I recall, this is the first full year you're running your that asphalt circuits compared to being in the dirt for much of your entire career, to say the least. Right, for sure. Yeah, I came from running seventy to eighty races a year. Uh, that's how many I did last year with T-Students Motorsports, and so moving on and running you know, 15 to, to 20 races a year is obviously a big difference. Uh, so most of the time, you know, I go out and race and then have a, have a couple weeks out of the car and then uh, go back and run the ARCA car again. Uh, so it's cool to be able to run two nights in a row and then we just have uh, one weekend off before we go to Colorado. So just just consistently being in the car, I think it's really, really good for me just working on making that transition from the, the dirt to the pavement, just learning new things and, um, meshing with the team a little bit. Obviously, I'm based out of the East Coast and the team's based out of the West Coast, so I'm not really getting to be at the shop during the week and uh, things like that. So it's, it was good to be able to spend a couple weeks out there, uh, be in the shop with the team, uh, and be in the car as much as I was. So it was definitely, definitely a learning couple weeks for me uh, being out there. You being from the East Coast, as you mentioned, has that been one of the more challenging aspects of being a ARCA West rookie this year, just to, and especially during a difficult year that has been with the pandemic and a lot of stuff going on, how are you able to communicate with with a team from a different region? Right, for sure, yeah. Be, being based out of the East Coast, it's, it's really nice being able to do everything uh, that Toyota allows me to do, you know, the gym that they open up uh, to us with the strength coach and then being able to be here for Sam uh, whenever that's open. And so obviously it's, it definitely is a, a privilege to be able to, to be in North Carolina and to be accessible to all of the things that, that the Toyota Racing Development has to offer uh, for us drivers. And so um, it'll, obviously it's a challenge. You know, I got to 
have a little bit of, of notice uh, to, to fly out and get in a car. You know, it's not very, like, I don't know. You just can't, like, all of a sudden get in a car one day if something opens because, you know, you're at least uh, a five-hour flight away, uh, whereas it obviously would be a little bit more convenient uh, to be in a car on the East Coast. Uh, but just paying our dues, uh, learning everything we can out West, luckily to, to be with a with a good team with Bill McNally Racing. Uh, when I'm out there, I, I feel like, they, they treat me like family, and so it's not doesn't feel like I'm away from home. Definitely it makes it easier, you know, not staying in a hotel all week. I get to stay with Bill, have home-cooked meals, so I can't really complain. I, I like to go out west, I like to race, um, but I definitely enjoy being on the East Coast. Yeah, speaking of family, it kind of brought up a good, interesting point, because when I was at Evergreen doing the photos and all that stuff, you 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 were seem very focused on trying to nail down that social media video at, as far as the Toyota thing. While the crew were kind of giving you a hard time for it. Yeah, we gotta gotta keep Toyota happy, but no, it's good. We we take we were doing some doing some stuff for the Toyota social media. I'm not I'm not really the best at holding up my phone and talking, so I had to make sure it was it was pretty good before I sent it over. I actually flew in that day flew into Seattle the day that uh, we raced, so so Friday I flew in, and so I was at the airport, and then went directly from the airport to the track, and was rushing around, so I had to make sure I got my video in before we started qualifying, so... No worries, because it reminds me of a time when I was trying to do this broadcast this thing before I transitioned to more of the writing and photography side, that it will take me a couple takes, and distractions will always get in the way sometimes like I need to focus I need to get this thing done it's, that's probably the best way to describe when it comes to meeting goals and accomplishing tasks trying to get laser focus right for sure yeah definitely it's, all I really all I really do is race and so that's it is true you know you gotta gotta put your all into it um every day you know just because you're not racing doesn't mean you're just you're just off and not really doing anything. So, yeah, for sure, just putting in the time, putting in the effort. Uh, definitely, I got pretty much everyone I race against uh, has a ton more laps on pavement than I do. Um, so I got got a lot of time, got a lot of laps that I need to catch up on. But uh, I, I, I do believe that with, with a lot of dedication and a lot of passion and a lot of hard work, I can cut that learning curve down quite a bit not have to you know i don't don't think it'll take us uh anywhere anywhere close to the years that the competition has on us to, to catch up most certainly what what has been the biggest learning curve that you had going from the dirts and asphalt? Because obviously we've seen a couple of fellow Toyota drivers, including the fellow Oklahoman Christopher Bell, who is now going to go to Joe Gibbs next season in the Cup level. What has been the, that learning curve transition? Because we've seen so many drivers that have done it, but from a female perspective, how is it from your side of things? Because there hasn't been a lot that made the transition from dirt to asphalt quite yet like you are right now right for sure yeah there there's a lot of things it feels like everything's different um you know the the length of the races is obviously a lot longer uh and the midget stuff uh, that i came from racing we'd, we'd have 25 lap features and then that would be it um and then in the in the pavement stuff we're running 150 laps 125 laps 100 laps so it's just being in the car for a longer amount of time 
Uh, also having spotter, you know, having someone in your ear, something I'm not used to. Uh, that has taken a little bit of time for me to adjust to. I'm still adjusting to that because uh, I'm not used to having someone be able to communicate with me while I'm on the track and be able to communicate with someone uh, while I'm on the track. So that's definitely different for me. Um, one of the biggest things is how you let a pavement car roll in the center of the corner. Uh, that has been the hardest thing for me to do because in a dirt car, you're going 100 miles an hour all the time. You know, you're always either moving your arm, messing with the gas, messing with the brake. You're always doing something. And so that whatever half a second it is that you're, you're letting the car roll, um, it just that, that part has been hard for me because I always want to be, you know, off the gas, on the brake, off the brake, onto the gas because I'm always used to doing stuff. And so just learning to let the car roll, have patience, save tires, all those things that I have never had to do uh, running a dirt car. Um, so I'm pretty much have to forget most things that I do know from a dirt car moving over to the pavement stuff. It's quite rather fascinating to hear that the certain things you, you've learned ha- are completely different. Because that the, the drivers that I interviewed over the years, it's been only been a couple of years since I've been focused on this journalism thing, that some of them have different perspectives. I think you're the first one that I heard that saying the transition is pretty much the stuff you've learned how to put outside the window to learn a newer challenge. So that's super intriguing, that to say the least. Yeah, for sure. Obviously, any any seat time and being in a race car helps. So I don't think, I mean, by no means, like being in a dirt car hasn't done nothing for me um, in the pavement stuff. I've just had to relearn a lot of stuff. You know, I think when when the car gets free and wants to come around uh, or finding that edge of not being hard on tires and running hard but not slipping a tire, things like that, I think being in the dirt car and having those feelings, I think that that definitely is beneficial for me. Um, there's just a lot of other things to learn. So definitely it hasn't been by no means like I haven't had to, to forget everything that I know uh, about running a dirt car. It's just a, it's a whole different world. Everything about it's different. The atmospheres are different. Um, just a lot of new challenges for me this year. Totally understanding. Now, you're not the only one that from the Bill McAnally camp that has dirt experience that's also making the jump to stock cars. You obviously have your teammate Gio Zelsi, who also has driven for Keith in the dirt competition. How has Gio been as a teammate, but also as a competitor from two different racing dif- disciplines? Right, for sure. Definitely be able to, you know, bounce some things off of It is definitely an interesting transition period because you go from last year having veteran drivers that had a lot of notoriety like Haley Deegan and a Derek Krause to now essentially all four rookies that have similar backgrounds trying to make a name for themselves, especially 
in a time period like this where it's important to have great runs because the West Coast region back in the day it used to have all those all those drivers that come from there like a Kevin Harvick or a Kurt Busch to now obviously we've seen a couple of them now moving up to the National Arc or in the Truck Series. How is that West Coast racing different to where what you used to out Midwest and of course on the East? Uh, well, I've never ra- I've never raced really any pavement stuff uh, in the Midwest or on the East Coast. I ran New Smyrna earlier this year, which was actually my uh, ARCA debut, and so I don't. It's it's hard for me to really judge. You know, I watch I watch the East races, and I obviously watch the NASCAR races, and I just think a lot of it comes down to to the competition. Um, I don't I don't know exactly. I haven't really ran with them very much. Uh, the only time I ever ran. Uh, with the with the Arca series not on the West Coast uh, was at New Smyrna and that was that was my first Arca race so I was pretty I had a lot had a lot to learn there um, and so I'm not I'm not really sure everything that's different I know uh, there are quite bigger uh, car counts and I I think that the competition is a lot different. No, definitely get get your point for sure. So now as I mentioned earlier, it's been a really tumultuous year for a lot of people that are trying to make a living and also trying to find some positive. How, what kind of, how hard has it been to find the positive aspects of things, especially during a difficult year that has been in 2020 for a lot of us? Yeah, for sure. I mean, they're definitely, I'm still getting to do what I love and uh, getting to, to take this year and continue developing. So, I'd say, I mean, I, I really do. I have a lot to be thankful for. Uh, there are a lot of people that are struggling to get by and that don't have work, that need work, that need to support their families and things like that. And so, obviously, it's it's tough for them and it's hard on them. You know, it's, for me, I would say I've been, been pretty lucky through all this. Uh, being in North Carolina, you know, being part of the Toyota Racing Development Program uh, feels like a family. Being part of Bill McNally Racing feels like a family. Uh, during that whole pandemic, you know, people from Toyota, people from Bill McNally Racing were reaching out, calling, making sure I was doing okay, uh, things like that. So, truthfully, yes, it has been been different, and have I haven't got to run, you know, as many late model races and stuff like that as we were going to get in uh, because of all this. But also, three months ago, we didn't even know if we were going to get to race this year. Um, and a year of racing is obviously a lot of time, and so. Um, just to be able to be back racing, even though we're not allowed to have fans or anything like that, uh, it's definitely nice to be back and still be able to learn and grow and, and make something out of this. So, obviously, it was a little bit nerve-wracking knowing if we were going to get to race um, because you, you never know where that where that really puts you next year when we were only about three races in uh, to the season when everything – or I guess we were two races in the season when everything shut down. Um, so – Honestly, I, I really think that we're, we're really fortunate to be back racing. Uh, the, the teams that have, have came together and made, made this happen and made it to where we could continue to race has, has been really cool for sure. You brought up uh, the fans perspective. How good was it to have some folks down there at Douglas County and kind of share the interactions you got? Because I recall a while back, I remember you made a post months ago that there was this young girl that kind of wanted to say hello and all that at New Smyrna. Just describe that experience as just the interaction of having fans, especially in the regional level. Right, for sure. There were a lot of people from Napa uh, that got to come that 
you know, Bill, Bill set up and got together. So it was cool to be able uh, to get to see people and that there were people at the racetrack uh, cheering us on, uh, being able to, you know, have driver introductions and, and do all that stuff. Was It was definitely it was a cool deal uh, for us to get to do and uh, get to see other people at the racetrack and, you know, people still coming out to support us. Um, so that definitely, it definitely was cool. Uh, I only got to go to, I guess, two of the races uh, that had, you know, sessions and stuff like that, which I wasn't, wasn't doing the dirt stuff either. And so that was really cool. So to not have that after uh, getting to enjoy that experience was definitely different. But we uh, just stopped to show up and do our job. So Now, being, being young in this sport, you go through the massive transitions and also kind of balance stuff. How how have you been able to balance a lot all this stuff from racing and I'd imagine education and all the other stuff that comes along with racing at a young age. Right, for sure. I actually halfway through my freshman year of high school, I started doing online school and you know took school during the summer to try to get done early. Um, you know, put a, put a lot of effort, put a lot of time into into school when I was younger, so that you know my goal was always to to move out here uh, to North Carolina and make the transition to pavement. So just worked really hard to to achieve that. I actually ended up graduating a year early. Um, so when I did move out to North Carolina, I wasn't having to juggle school. Um, and I've been able to fully focus on racing. So really fortunate that I was able to do that and capitalize on the opportunity that, that Toyota has given me uh, and not have any, any distractions. And so, um, yeah, I, I'm glad to be, be through with school uh, and be able to, to focus on racing, um, maybe take some college classes uh, later on down the road. But right now I'm just uh, putting my, all my time and all my effort into racing. How has your family been super supportive in your entire run, of course, you come from a heavily driven racing background. From what I saw on the McAnally website, you're a fourth generation racer. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, I am. How influential has it been to have your family in this in this racing world that has been heavily involved pretty much their entire lives? Right. I, I grew up being at a racetrack every weekend, and so I was just kind of born into uh, the atmosphere, and then. I obviously wanted to wanted to start racing when I figured out um, kids kids my age were racing and I was at the racetrack doing doing whatever I was doing and so uh, I was happy to be able to to get in the car and uh, be able to start racing when I was five and then I've pretty much pretty much has been my life since then I didn't really I I played a lot of sports but always came back uh, to to just want to race and work on race cars and. So yeah, definitely being being part of a family that knew about knew about racing, race was at the racetrack pretty much every weekend. It definitely um, made it a lot easier for me to get to get into racing and you know have a family that that was knowledgeable um, about kind of the right steps to take, uh, what what direction to go, and you know when was a good time to to move up to the next levels. Um, so yeah, def- definitely fortunate for that. Now, going, of course, we're in the press at time. What is ultimately your long-term goal as far as your racing career? Is Could a Knoxville Nationals be in your future or a Chili Bowl win definitely on the radar or even run at the big tracks like Daytona? Um, you know, my, 
my obviously my main goal is make it make it as far as I can go with with Toyota and you know just continue to, to climb their development ladder. Um, obviously, like it would it would be a dream to be able to to make it to NASCAR and run in the in the top three series and be competitive at those levels. Uh, I still love dirt racing. I'd love to be able to go compete for for national wins and. Um, continue to race for, for Houston Motorsports when I get the chance. Uh, obviously, this year we're just really focused on the pavement stuff and, and making this transition. Um, so that's kind of what we've what we've had to focus on. But I love dirt racing. I, I love to run midgets. Uh, I love to to run the pavement stuff. So I'm really fortunate to be able to do what do what I do right now and just continue to capitalize on the opportunities that I get and keep doing my best. Uh, and just make it as far as I can go. Obviously, it's it's a main goal to uh, be able to just make it to the top three levels in NASCAR and be competitive. All right. We're near the end of this episode as far as these interviews is concerned. want to transition from Holly Holland, the racer, but Holly Holland outside of racing, kind of like hobbies and music taste. What kind of lifestyle would you consider yourself, like reserve or outgoing? Um, I feel like I'm pretty, I feel like in ways I'm pretty outgoing. Uh, I don't really, I don't really go out and do much. I really just, just focus on racing. But when it comes to talking to people, you know, I like to, I like to meet new people. I like to be around people. I like to, you know, have a, have a good time, hang out with friends, hang out with family. Uh, but yeah, so I'm, I'm pretty outgoing, I would say. Now, when it comes to musical taste, what would be more or less the ideal playlist when it comes to music? Because when I have guests in my program, I usually like to discuss about music, kind of like to understand their their musical taste. Because my best way to describe it is it's all over the place. Some days I'll be in the independent route. Other days I'll be listening to hard rock and metal. Oh, uh, yeah. I kind of listen to a little bit of everything. I don't listen to... Um, like, I don't really listen to very, like, old music or, like, some hardcore metal music. Like, I don't listen to that kind of stuff. But I like, um, I like country for the most part. Country is, you know, what I tend to go to the most. Um, but I listen to a little bit more upbeat stuff. Uh, like when I'm at training and stuff like that. So I kind of, I kind of like a little bit of everything, uh, to do with, like, today's a little bit of rap music. Um, and country music like it's from the country genre like the what artists you typically listen to it's kind of like your favorites like all time or <laughs> at, at the moment of time uh, i listen to a lot of kane brown sam hunt those are probably my two of my favorites all right now if there is something that you would tell like young girls or even any aspiring racer racers that want to do this for a living, what would you tell them? Like your number one message to them? Sadly, you're gonna have more rough days than you will have good days. So um, I think the most important thing is just keeping your head up and keep digging, keep doing everything you're supposed to be doing. You know. It's, you don't run well one weekend and, you, you know, you get back home, you, you still got to, you know, get to the gym, work on the car, do everything you're supposed to do. Um, no matter if you win, no matter if you have a rough weekend, just keep paying your dues and doing everything that you know to do. That's kind of 
been the mindset that I've had, you know, any, any resource I have from a strength coach to a nutritionist to driver coach is just using, using your resources the best you can. Um, and don't, you know, don't forget where you were three years ago, uh, when you wish you were where you're at right now and take time to reflect on, on how far you, uh, I just, I think it's, those are things that, some things I've had to had to learn the hard way, and you know, uh, I just I think no matter no matter how how much this this sport and life just tries to bring you down, just the more that you keep getting back up, like the the saying, "What doesn't kill you makes you stronger." I I really think it's true, and so just keep going after your dreams and after your goals, uh, pretty much as if you you already had them. Just just have that confidence and and keep digging because that's that's important, you know. If you just if you just show up on the days that are good, uh, you won't ever make it. You gotta you gotta show up even when it's hard. And when it comes to those positive moments you mentioned, there are few and far between. How gratifying does it feel to have those positive moments? Right. Yeah. For sure. I've I've obviously been been really fortunate to go through the ladder with with Toyota Race and Development pretty quickly. But that also has come with, you know, me having one year and something and learning and moving on to the next. Uh, so I haven't, I haven't won a race in three years. Um, and so that obviously is, it's tough. But at the same time, you just got to remember your end goal and, and keep going after it. So I think that that's important too. You know, you're, you're going to have more rough days at the racetrack than you are uh, the days of victory lane. Uh, and that's just, a lot. Everyone in racing knows that, but the, the people can overcome those hard days, um, carry your team well, and still um, just carry yourself the way you need to carry yourself, uh, whether you're winning or not. I uh, just, I really think that's important. Most certainly. Well, then, it's absolutely great pleasure to have you on in this program once again. Where can we find? Where can the folks find you, as far as social media? Yeah, I'm on Instagram. It's Holly Holland, H-O-L-L-E-Y, H-O-L-L-A-N. Uh, all of my social media is the same, and so that's how you can find me. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. It was nice talking to you. Oh, most certainly. And before we officially wrap it up, how I forgot, I couldn't remiss to saying this. How often does your na- first name get butchered? Because I tell you this, when my of course my name is Louise, L U I S. I've always had like Louis, the American way, or L O U I S. How often you have to put up with that every now and then? I just get a ton of my name just getting spelt wrong, like H O L L Y, H O L I E. I was actually named after the Holly Carburetor, and so when I tell people that in racing, uh, they realize, you know, they're, it's a little bit easier for them to remember that because everyone knows what the Holly Carburetor is, and so, yeah, I just get it spelled wrong most of the time. <laughs> yeah, I, you and I both, so I basically had to, every now and then I have to tell folks when I get the chance, like, how to say Louise, just think Selma and Louise, but how... The movie Selma and Louise is spelled, that's not how you spell it, it's just L-U-I-S. So I get that a lot. Even when I ask drivers questions, the moderator would say Louis is like, eh, okay, fine, whatever. But over time, I know I have to tell them it's Louise, but you and I both have that thing where our names get butchered every now and then. 
Alright, so on that note, it's time it's time to shut the lens. Well, certainly, I can't thank her enough once again to be on my program behind the exploratory lens. I can't thank Bill McAnally Racy for setting up this interview and having her on. Most certainly, Colorado coming up, and obviously, Meridian is still to be determined because that was postponed. If Meridian gets rescheduled, that might be one other race I might consider going to, to shoot photos. It'll be a different experience. Speaking of photos, I mentioned it was six to seven hours. I had to be quick. I was thinking, oh, qualifying, okay. It's been difficult to focus on the West entirely like a year ago because you, because with NASCAR, IndyCar, and all those double headers and just the long gap between races has made it very tough. I was thinking qualifying, okay, I'm going to be very simple shooting photos, a casual, traditional look, and then realize, oh, this is an hour, I knew it was an hour session. I was thinking it's an hour gap, probably 11 cars is not going to take too long. Then I realized, oh, it's a one-hour session where it's like, Group qual well, not really group qualifying. There's no knockouts. It's just like a it's kind of a glorified practice session. But you gotta set the fastest time, get your car dialed in for the 100 lap race, where there were no incidents, just a couple debris cautions, and just Perkins walloping the field with relative ease. Trevor Huddleston, last year's winner, made it interesting early on, but just could not capitalize on it, and he ended up finishing second on the day. But for Gio Salci, he finished third. Jesse Love finished fourth. Gracie Trotter running out the top five. Trotter would finish second the following day at Douglas County. Her best finish as she's trying to become the second female driver to win on the West Tour. Obviously, Deegan is the only other one. Also, the first under the ARCA name, because nobody has ever won on an ARCA banner. Deegan, Shauna Robinson, who won three goodies dash races, her best ARCA outing was second, much like Deegan at Daytona. So, time will tell if Trotter can get the job done as a rookie. She has really done really well. And as far as Holland's concerned, she had probably her best outings having those double headers. She's shown some tremendous improvement to where I think it will certainly bode her well for the rest of the season going forward, especially at Colorado, of which the 19 car that is driven by Love won a year ago with Deegan in that infamous incident with Derek Krause. And I still feel like when it comes to Deegan, that was the turning point of her career and the championship trail because Krause just was more determined and hungrier than ever. Krause doing Krause things. Much like in the truck race in Michigan, he got a top 10 while backwards because he got taken out of coming towards the line. It was a beautiful, whoa, beautiful picture that I saw. Across crossing the line backwards with the whole rear bumper all charcoaled up because he had a flat tire earlier on. Great stuff, great stuff. He's still trying to make that truck series playoffs. He's trying very hard to get in that top 10. But going forward, we hope to have more racing guests in this program. Holland holds the distinctive as being the first female to be on my program, but also the first racing driver as well. But Big picture, the photography. I talked about qualifying. That's, that's what happens every now and then. I talk about one thing, then I transition to another. It was an hour session. I got to do all that fancy, fancy photos, try to get as much as I can because I knew if this is going to be it for 2020, I got to deliver my best works yet. And I felt like they were my best works yet. I got more of the candid portrait shots. That's something that I want to do more. I love capturing cars, don't get me wrong, but there's more intrigue when I capture the behind the wrenches and all that stuff where in the top levels you have to ha you have to be on the right spot get a big lens and all that and be on it which i hope someday i get to do more garage stuff but that's obviously for the established elitists out there 
But being one of only three photographers down there, it was calm. I didn't even, well, obviously, like, Graham Rahal said it best in the presser last week. When you're focused on the, on the topic and subject or task at hand, whatever it may be, you're focused on your goal, what you're there for. For Rahal, it's trying to win the Indianapolis Fiber or any IndyCar race. NHL hockey players, they focus on the game at hand, being in the competition. Myself included, when it comes to photos, I was more or less trying to be impressive, see if my works turn out well, and look at it. It was like, okay, I like this job. Wow, this actually turned out pretty good. And I was proud of my works. I tried different things. I tried messing up with those all the numbers, the ISOs, and the frames, and all that, and the shutter speed. I left satisfied. Yeah, like cramp. I was so thirsty that I grabbed, that when I let the track, it's like, oh, vending machine. It's like, oh, great. It's probably going to be cash. I'm going to have to use a $2 bill. It's like, oh, credit card. They actually adapted. Well, give me all the Coca-Cola and Sprite. All I need is I was thirsty. It was very hot, very warm. It's like 100 degrees out there. It was not like Texas where it was like human warm where it's not going to burn up your skin. This was burn up your skin Sonoma style. It's really warm. How am I doing right now with all the social distancing and all of them? Doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty stout. I know next week we're going to talk about Cleelum. I know I mentioned last time I was supposed to talk about the Cleelum trip, but at the end of the day, I was very upset about the world of racing. And I mentioned this in my ultimatum that aside from racing folks being on my program, I won't discuss about it. And that does include the Indianapolis 500 because I want to focus on some more positive stuff. I've just got burnt out talking about the negative. So uh, a couple more positives on the racing side before we close this episode. Armani Williams, uh, one of the folks that I interviewed a couple years ago when I was a raw rookie in Motorsports Tribune. This is my third year, if you haven't realized. He finished 10th in the ARCA race in Michigan. I know people are going to say, yeah, it's only 18 cars. He was two laps down behind Riley Hurz. It's Andy Hillenberg car. Hey, it's a top 10 for him. 20 years old out of Michigan, home track, the first big track he's ever run, got a top 10 out of it, kept himself out of trouble. It's a superb result, to say the least. And from a guy that has autism, including myself, you always got to root for the guy that has a certain commonality. So definitely proud of his efforts. As a matter of fact, here's the questions that I asked Armani at Michigan following his top 10 run. Congrats on getting a top 10 on your first notable speedway track. Yeah, thank you. You know, I mean, it's definitely the goal uh, that we wanted to come in, you know, our Centria Autism Chevrolet, you know, it was handling pretty well. We didn't quite have the speed as those guys in the top five, but the main thing is just we needed to keep the car clean, keep it in one piece and get to the end and salvage the top 10 when we can. And everything just kind of went according to plan. So, you know, I, I'm really happy with uh, Fast Track Racing out Andy Hillenberg. They brought a really good race car today. I'm not sure if you remember this from two years ago when I interviewed you back at Evergreen. I mentioned how important it is for you with autism, like yours truly has to deal with autism, to prove that you can do this for a living. It's been a couple of years now. How much have you learned to prove, further prove that this dream can come true by putting in the work and the effort? Um. Yeah, you know, I definitely learned a lot. Like, you know, I learned that, you know, you always got to stay encouraged and believe in yourself and the ability that you're able to do. With me accomplishing my dream as a professional race car driver, I want to kind of carry that same message to millions of individuals and families and children 
that have been impacted by autism, who have been challenged a lot, to just let them know, just because you have autism doesn't mean you can't do amazing things in this world. And that's just something that I like to just take a lot of pride in. It's just giving millions hope and know that there is a light in the end of that tunnel that you can go to. It's just as long as you put in the hard work, just as long as you have the right support system, and you know you believe in yourself and what you want to do in life and be successful at that many things will be possible all right thank you and of course best of luck on any further races you have in mind in the future uh sorry i couldn't hear you the cars <laughs> understood i said best of luck on your uh, any you got any races coming up in the foreseeable future by chance um, yes, you know, we definitely want to try and make a couple or a few uh, Arkansas later on this year, you know, one of those maybe uh, Kansas, I don't, I think they're racing later on uh, this year. So we definitely want to try and make that, you know, just kind of target, at least that I now have like the mile, the half mile tracks under my belt. I want to get into more one and a half mile, two mile courses, just get some experience there, you know, and then hopefully next year, you know, get to run more races in, um, you know, the ARCA series, as well as do some uh, camp uh, Gander Outdoors Truck Series as well. So that's pretty much what we want to do. All right, thank you, and congratulations once again on that top 10. All right, thank you, really appreciate it. When I interviewed him at Evergreen, I said, what kind of goal message you want to send to those people with, like, autism to pursue the dream? And it sounds like the goal still stands maybe more well-detailed. Of course, over time, you learn more as a human being. You develop all that stuff. And for sure, he has adapted really well. So congratulations to Armani for that. Now, the big picture at the end of the day, why I love photography, it gives me a little bit more of an escape. Being at Evergreen, fans not being there, yeah, but... It's a unique vibe. I felt like it was like any other racing event. I just focus on the task at hand. And I know I'm all over the place once again. But it's very important to mention this. that Doing photos is probably what I feel more alive. I love doing the versatile stuff. The writing and all that. But photography I feel like there's some potential there. And I want to pursue it. And I hope you enjoy my works. Those who are listening. Best way to find is obviously on Motorsports Tribune. You'll find it on the multimedia section. You have Spotlight on. You have Racing Pictures. That's where you find my works over the past couple of years. Of course, I have my own website. Luis Torres Multimedia. LuisDTorres.com Where you'll find all my notable works. By the time you're hearing this, you'll see my ARCA photos from Evergreen. And I hope you guys enjoy it. With that in mind... It felt great to be back. Yeah, no crowds, but hey, the social distancing was pretty good, to say the least. Now I'll remember being one of only a few photographers and press in general to do stuff for that Arca West race. It's a definite blessing. I can't thank the Arca Menard series and the media folks enough to give me an opportunity. And also Evergreen Speedway to give me that opportunity to get back to my own sanctuary, my own happy place for even for a day six to seven hours it was definitely a blessing for sure that in mind i hope you enjoyed this episode with holly holland that's the kind of stuff i want to bring with this program some positivity rather than the gloom and doom that has been the past couple weeks with the indianapolis 500 having no crowds and also just frustration in the workforce next episode i will talk about clay ellum what went that bachelor's party i'm not gonna go all raw and detail just being a part of a large group in a time like this with social distancing in the pandemic, how was that vibe, how I felt about it, and also 
the soreness of my leg. The best way to find me is on Instagram, LuisDTorres94, L-U-I-S-D-S and David, T-O-R-R-E-S-9-4, Twitter, at the LT Files. Got a couple hits from my photos, the Camry tweet of Bobby Hillis, and also... Clint Boyer's radio audio, for whatever reason. I guess it helps that Jeff Gluck and Jim Hutter re- saw it and retweeted. And then you have Alex Andrachev from the Charlotte Observer. So I was like, of course. That's kind of like my specialty. I hear something juicy, I transcribe it, and it'll click like a rocket. Anyways, I spared the racing talk on <laughs> Facebook behind the exploratory lessons. You can find this podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, SoundCloud, and iHeartRadio. Once again, Luis Torres Multimedia is my personal website. So until we meet again, I hope you guys have a safe weekend. Be mindful, find some positivity, and in the meantime, catch you guys later.